another episode of the Mobile Word Podcast. My name is Pastor Nathan Paygard, and I'm grateful that you could join me today, and I'm looking forward to walking through the Word with you. First off, I wanted to thank all of you for listening last week. There was a, a lot of support and um, a lot of uh, feedback from last week's episode, uh, the, the, uh, the first episode of our Mobile Word Podcast. Um, it was encouraging, and it was, uh, it was something that we, we had been praying about for, for a while now, uh, starting the podcast. And it was just great to see that it was something that, that blessed you, uh, something that was helpful, um, and it was a, a good resource, an additional resource to hopefully the other, other resources you have throughout the week of uh, being in the Word and, and going through the Word and, and allowing that to strengthen your faith in Christ. So, so thank you for your support. Um, the, the, the plan from now on, uh, at least at the start of this endeavor, is to have two episodes every week. Uh, what I'll plan to do is is upload a an episode every Wednesday and an episode every Friday uh, on our ministry site, mobilewordministry.com. We have other resources that we post every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, Tuesdays we have uh, weekly devotionals that I write uh, that we've been posting for the past couple years, and that uh, that will continue. And we also have every Thursday. Uh, reflection responses. So uh, certain topics or issues um, we discuss and we post segments every Thursday. Uh, usually the series is a three-week or four-week series, and every Thursday we'll post um, concerning you know different topics that we 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 have to wrestle with and and understand in the Christian faith. So for example, we have uh, a lot of topics that you can find on our site. Um, some examples are communion. Uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, heaven and hell, uh, just kind of hot topic, big issues that, that are important for us to understand uh, for ourselves and our own faith, but also uh, for for being able to understand them and explain them to other people. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed often in, in my very short time in ministry so far is that there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians uh, who spend time in church, who are maybe even leaders in their church, um, but they've never personally wrestled with some of these issues. Uh, they've they've gone through uh, basically the courses, you know, maybe if you were starting in leadership at a young age, you know, being involved in kids or youth ministry, already in a leader position, and, and that's great. But for, for a lot of people, they, they kind of went through the basics and just kind of assumed you know it, and then went right into leading, and then when I would sit down and talk to them about what their what their opinion was, or, or what why do they believe in in certain things uh, like heaven and hell, and how can they explain it, and and, and what was the moment that it started to make sense? Uh, a lot of people were kind of left a little bit uh, unprepared and and clueless on how to have that discussion, and that's the discussion that that we have to be having with people with non Christians. Uh, with people of other faith, you know, if, if we're called to be witnesses, we have to have witnessed something. We have to have seen it for ourselves. It's, it's something that we talked about in, I think, uh, the, the Tuesday devotional last week or the week before was this idea that you're called to be a witness. You're, you're called to, to testify. And, and a, a, a witness that's called in a courtroom um, has to, you know, has to take an oath saying what I've seen is the truth not hearsay, but it's something that I have personally seen, and that's why my testimony 
will contribute to the outcome of this case. And we are called to be witnesses. So we have to wrestle with these issues on our own and, and, and to go through them step by step so that we understand them. So on our website, uh, that's, that's, that's a long story, which should have been a lot shorter than that. So sorry about that. But on our, on our website, we have uh, resources on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And now uh, with the podcast, we'll have resources on Wednesday and Friday. Uh, so we're, we're just trying to add more and more uh, every week so that if you don't have a lot of resources around you right now, if, if you don't have a lot of help uh, going through the word, wrestling with these topics or issues, uh, our, our goal with Mobile Word Ministry is to provide you with an abundance of resources and not just commentaries, not just opinion pieces, but really our focus with Mobile Word Ministry um, and that's in our name of just seeing the word work throughout all of our lives and seeing how how relevant the word is and and not on a intellectual level or a knowledge based level of just knowing certain things and having the right answers, but walking with it um, so much in scripture uh, you, you see people that were were giving their lives to God and and following God walking with him. You know, very few people are running and sprinting, and usually if they are, they're running away from something, or they're just running to something. It's, it's, a, it's a small moment of a greater story that finds them walking more often than running. So we have to view our faith in the same way. You know, this is a step-by-step process of understanding, am I a Christian? What does that mean that I'm a Christian? What does that mean, and what is my job as a Christian? How do I wrestle with being a Christian in a, in, a, in a secular society or surrounded by people that don't believe or maybe actually, in, you know, aggressively opposed to my faith in Jesus Christ. You know, this is a process where you got to take it slow. You know, we as humans want to get to the end and we want to finish things and start the new thing and then finish that thing. And, and we have to submit that to God and say, Lord, in your sovereignty over time and all the steps I need to take, Make me go at your pace. You know, keep me from running ahead of you. Keep me in line behind you, following the steps that you're making step by step. And the way we do that is in Scripture. Obviously, there, there, there are hours and hours of the day that we are applying the Scripture and, and working out our salvation and being refined by the fire of having to, to be a Christian you know, that is not an easy process. That's not, you know, always a fun process. I'd say often it's not a fun process. You know, it, it, is a, it is a challenging and painful process of being a Christian. You are, you are, not, you are not often the, 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 the VIP with people. You are often the bearer of bad news. You know, you, you have that message. Even though it is good news, it doesn't sound like good news to a lot of people. And a lot of people I'm sure you're, you're, you're surrounded by in your workplace, your family, your friends, school, your job, whatever. I would be willing to bet that a lot of people around you are not huge fans of your faith or the fact that you love Jesus so much and that you rely on him so much. You know, it looks like a, an unhealthy and sick obsession, an addiction that, that a, lot of, a lot of people outside of the Christian faith view it as something that needs to be changed or healed or transformed in the same way that we look at, at their, their need for Christ as something that needs to come in and transform. You know, it, it's, it's totally flipped. 
So in the meantime, for us to be sure of our salvation, sure of our faith, sure of our identity as a Christian, as a servant and slave of Jesus Christ, owned by him, being united completely in him, every aspect of our life, we have to go through the word. We have to hear him speak. When we pray, we profess you know, the, the inner cries of our heart, the aches of our heart. We confess and we lay everything at his feet when we pray. And he knows what we're feeling. It's not a matter of him finding out those things, but it's us leaning into our Father, you know, embracing his open arms and just letting it out. You know, that's when we pray, we just talk to him. And that can be celebratory. That can be out of repentance and shame, sadness, guilt. But we're talking, we're conversing. But often we have a lot of questions in that end of the conversation. Why is this happening? What should I do? How do I do this? When is it right to do this? We have a lot of questions. You know, around any kid growing up, you're going to see that they have a a love for questions. Almost to a fault sometimes because it's, they're questioning everything away just because it almost becomes an activity. It's a fun thing to just keep asking questions. And it becomes less about the pursuit of the actual answer and just the activity of asking questions. But there's a spirit there of, of wanting to know more things. And we as Christians need to have that spirit of a child constantly wanting to know. And also knowing that our Father loves to talk back. He loves to give us answers. You know, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. This is an invitation. He's saying, engage with me. What do you got? What's your question? What do you want to know? Ask me. Walk with me. Let's look at things. And there's no stupid question. You know, I, I, I do a lot of Bible studies and, and a lot of people I meet with are kind of new in their faith or new in, in interacting with the word. And it can be intimidating to ask questions. You know, because you think everyone else knows this really easy answer and I'm the one stupid one that doesn't get it. You know, that's the, the, the case with so many students in classrooms. That was me. Often I didn't understand, but would I put my hand up? No. It's embarrassing. What if I'm the only one? And then what does the teacher say? If you have a question, chances are there's other people in the classroom that have the same question. And that's just a fact. We're embarrassed. That's part of that's part of the 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 the, the nature of sin in our life. You know, when you see in the garden, and they were naked and unashamed, and then sin entered in and they covered each other up or covered themselves up from each other. Ashamed. It's embarrassing. You're going to see who I really am. You're going to see that I don't really get it all. I don't really know all the answers. So I'd have these Bible studies. I'd go through the word with some of these people that were new and, and just learning what it means to be a Christian step by step. And they'd have a question and, and I'd hear it all the time. You know, they'd almost apologize. They'd preface their question with, this is a stupid question. And I get it. I, I get that feeling and I get why they said it. I don't blame them for that. I said the same thing as I was going through the word at the beginning. Even now, there's stuff that I feel like maybe this is obvious to everyone, but I just don't get it. 
I need to I need to spend more time here. I can't move on. You guys are ready to move on. I can't. And the beauty about our Father, the beauty about God, is that he says, ask me anything. You don't get it? Let's talk about it. I love that. I love that about God, that he is, he is so open to our ignorance. He's so open to our, our childlike wonder. It doesn't get old for him. He's not exhausted with the questioning. He doesn't view it as an a bombardment, a burden, something to just get through, something to get to the end of. He loves that conversation. He loves and he's inviting us in, saying, just ask me, talk to me. So we have an abundance of questions, but he has answers. And when we, when we go into the word, we get his answers. You know, he can speak to us. He can speak answers into our lives through the people around us. Absolutely. He does often. I'd say that happens, if not on a weekly basis, it's a daily basis, a monthly basis. God is constantly using fellowship to reaffirm truths to me, to guide me into a greater wisdom of his character and his nature, his will. That's why fellowship is so important. You need to be surrounded by people who are also seeking the will and the wisdom of the Father. And it's not just about you know, being social. It's not just about finding fellowship. I mean, you can, you can find friends anywhere. You know, that's not, that's not the key. The key is surrounding yourself with people that are pursuing the Father in that conversation, in that process of answer finding and, and asking, seeking Him, and pursuing His knowledge and, and His will. When we surround ourselves with people like that, people that have, a, that have a common goal, a common purpose, and a common source of answers. Of course, God can use people around us, but when we're in the Word, you know, in that fellowship, having fellowship anchored in the Word, when we're going into the Scriptures, that's where He's talking to you. It's not just about going through your Bible reading plan. There's nothing valuable about just checking off that I read my Bible this year. You know, I, it's, it, I'm, I'm getting off topic. I'm sorry. We're going to get to the scripture. But when, when, I, when I went through the Bible the first time, you know, I, I met God and I was encountered by him and my life was starting to change. And I was in Korea. You know, this is 2010. And all growing up, my dad and my mom said, you, you need to read your Bible. You know, they never forced it on me. It was never mandatory. We had, you know, daily devotionals in the morning before we would go to school. I remember my dad would make us oatmeal and we'd read through something in the scripture. We'd have a daily devotional kind of um, compatible kind of resource to the scripture we'd read. So I was around it, but it was never forced on me to read it. But they always said, you know, read your Bible. You know, it's, it's valuable. It's going to help you read your Bible. It's a good thing. And as a kid, even as an adult, I said, no, it's boring. It's irrelevant. I can't relate to it. It's not interesting. It's too long. Text is too small. It's no pictures. Why would I read the Bible? I don't even really like to read that much. Why would I read that book? That was my opinion at the time. You know, going through university, that started to change. That, that's where reading was kind of forced on me, and I started to see the value in it. But growing up, I thought, why in the world, out of all the activities that I could potentially do in this moment, why would I choose to do that? You know, and my parents, you know, were understanding. They were patient. But they just continued to encourage me, say, read your Bible. So when I met God 
and I went to South Korea, and I didn't know what I was doing in ministry. God threw me into ministry, and that was totally unexpected. I had no idea. I had so many questions with what the Bible says. At that point, I had a real problem with miracles, real problem with God's nature and his character, especially in the Old Testament. So I would go through, you know, I'd start reading through the Bible, I'd, you know, read the Bible in a year plan through uh, through your, your version. And it was really helpful. You know, every day it gives you three, four chapters, you know, old and new, whatever. And I went through it and I, and I, and I, I was getting through it. I was reading from the beginning to the end. I was going through the Bible and I thought, wow, this is great. You know, and, and, and throughout that, God was speaking to me and I was growing in my faith. But, you know, I was so excited to get to the end. I was really excited to tell my dad, really excited to tell my mom and dad, I did it. I read the Bible. And I remember we, we Skyped one day and, and I, I was, you know, getting ready to share this, this news that I did it. I finished my Bible. I got through the whole reading plan, beginning to end, didn't skip anything. You know, and I told my parents, I said, I did it. I read my Bible. I read the whole thing, and I'll never forget, my entire life, I will never forget my dad's response. I was hoping for, that's amazing, congratulations, we knew you could do it, this is awesome, if you were here in the States, we'd throw a party, I really wanted a hero's welcome, you know, I was, I was preparing myself for praise, you know, I, I was, you know, the, the, the nose was up, shoulders were back, you know, I, you know, internally and, and, and personally, I was just so ready to be praised and to be showered in that praise. You know, it's this big culmination, this moment, this lifetime achievement award of this is what I did. Praise me. And what my dad said, he said, read it again. And you just hear the, the, the air out of a balloon. You know, all that anticipation for praise just confronted with truth, you know, and I'm so thankful that that's what my dad said, and that is going to echo in my life for the rest of my life. I hope it echoes in your life as you're hearing this right now. I think it's great that you're going through the Bible. I'm, I think it's awesome that we have so many resources. We are so blessed, you know, if, if you are in a culture right now listening, I mean, obviously this is going out, you know, globally, and, and, and not everyone has the same resources, unfortunately, and we pray that that changes. But, you know, the, the culture that I am in right now, and I'm sure a lot of you listening are in, is a culture that's just so inundated with resources. We're surrounded by resources, Bible apps, you know, different versions, Bible programs, commentaries, all these things. And everything is digital now. Everything's, you can have, you know, a library in your pocket. It's amazing. So it's great that we have all those resources. It's great that you have a version, read the Bible in your plan, and that's helping you get through the Bible. If that, that helped me. You know, some people need that structure. Some people need even just, you know, digital accountability. <laughs> if, that's, if that's what's going to help you to, to know that I got to check off those three boxes so I can get that great job that version puts on the page after you complete a day. If that's what keeps you going through the word, then... God bless you, and God bless your, your, your endeavor to go through the word and see the comprehensive and holistic story beginning to end, the entire story arc from Genesis to Revelation of the story of redemption in Jesus Christ. If that's what you're doing, then that's great. But if you are just checking it off, if you are just finishing it so that you can get praise from your pastor or praise from a friend or a family member because you did it, and you read through the Bible, or maybe you're on the 10th time. Now this is your 11th time. 
I've read through the Bible 10 times, 12 times. If that's all it is, what a waste of time. That's not why it's there. It's not something to achieve. It's not something to finish. It's not something to check off. It's life. Daily bread. You don't stop eating because you ate. And then you tell everyone, look, I did it. I ate. I'm done forever. No, you keep eating because without that food, you die. Without that food, you fall apart. Your body shuts down. Same thing with scripture. You have to be in the scripture. You have to. It's not even a question. You have to be in it throughout scripture, beginning to end. You can't just be isolated in in one section. You can't just be isolated in the Psalms because they pick you up or they, you know, empathize with your suffering. Get in the Psalms. Love the Psalms for, for how they how they comfort you in those in those moments or how they encourage you. But then get out of the Psalms. See Jesus on the cross. Speaking in Psalms. You know, see see you read the story of David during those times where he's writing those Psalms. You know, everything with God starts with a point and then spreads out. It never gets focused where it gets you into just one section of scripture and that's all you should read. In scripture, it starts in one section and that'll connect to another and before you know it, you're covering every 66 books. It moves you outward. It moves you further and further out so you can see more and more of his character, more and more of his authority over this entire creation that we are a part of. That's the purpose of scripture. So I really pray, I really pray that that this is helping you and that getting into the word is is is, is edifying your faith in Christ. And that was a, such a long tangent. Uh, I'm, I I got to get better at that. So I'm 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 sorry that that was that was that was long. But it's so important, you know, when we're going through this with this podcast or, or on your own time. If you're in the Word, be in the Word. As a conversation. Not coming in with an agenda. With this is what God is allowed to say, or else I'm closing it down. You come with your sincere questions. No question is stupid. You come with all the questions that you have, list them all out, and bring them to the throne and say, God, I don't understand. Help me to understand. I have faith, but give me more faith. And you will not receive a rebuke. You will receive answers. And the way you receive answers is in the word. So, you know, we got to get in the word, you know, and we're praying at Mobile Word Ministry, during this podcast, that this is a resource that helps you get into the Word and see how how pivotal it is to be in the Scripture and to be wrestling with it and to be devouring it, digesting it, knowing it, understanding it, and and that's the that's the overall effort of the entire ministry that we're doing at Mobile Word Ministry is just trying to throw resources at you every which way that can, can address questions, address concerns, help you to, to wrestle with it, to know it, to be confident before your family, before your, your, your coworkers, before your neighborhood, your neighbors, that I am a Christian. And that means that I believe in Jesus Christ. He lived, he died for my sins and was resurrected, overcoming death, overcoming sin. And in him I have eternal life and eternal hope 
in the kingdom of heaven with my father. Like, can you look at anyone in your circle, anyone that you meet and have that confidence that I know that I know why I believe. And do you want to believe too? Are you assured of that? If you're not, God has grace and God wants you to just be honest and to just come to him and say, I believe, but I don't believe. Help my unbelief. I get it, but I don't get it. I need to check. Help me to check. I don't want to just believe. I don't want to just have blind faith. I don't want to just go through the motions. Life is too short. My heart needs answers. Help me. Give me answers. That's all he wants. He just wants you to come to him as you are, as a child that doesn't understand most of what we encounter, but wants to understand. So we, we only have a few minutes left, but I, I like like with last week's episode, I wanted to get into scripture. Um, so the scripture that, that God was putting on my heart this week, um, or at least for this episode, is Matthew 6, uh, verses 25 to 34. The issue that, that has been coming up in the last week in, in our Bible studies and our ministry here in, uh, in Washington, um, it, it's concerning the issue of worrying. The issue of worrying about the future, you know, worrying about your your plans, you know, worrying about the the job you're doing today, um, constantly worrying, and it's something that plagues all of us. It plagues me, not being sure of certain things, wanting certain things to happen, and and wanting to do your best to make sure that those things happen. Um, you know, we we have so many things that surround us that create that sense of worry in us. It's a natural thing, you know. If you worry, if you're listening to this right now, and there's something that you're worrying about that you feel burdened by, that is totally normal. You know, that is a natural uh, a natural reaction to, to living in the world we live in. There are so many uncertainties. And there's such a job for us to do, especially as Christians. You know, there's so much that we need to be focusing on. And we want to do the right thing. We want to be honoring God with what we've been given. You know, two weeks ago uh, at our house church, we were preaching about the talents. You know, we want to steward what we've been given. We want to be good investors of what we've been given. We realize it's a gift and such a blessing to have what we have, and we want to invest it. So naturally, we don't want to let him down. We don't want to do the wrong thing. We don't want to make the wrong, st- wrong step. We don't want to go the wrong way. That is natural. And we should be aware of that. We should be aware of, of, of how we're using what we've been given and what direction we're taking that in. And if that's honoring God and honoring him to the fullest, that needs to be our heart. But worry, that is a different issue. Being concerned about how you are practicing your faith or how you are using your faith is one thing. And that can be righteous. And that is righteous to be concerned about your representation as an ambassador of Christ in this world, as witnesses to what you've seen, testifying to what you've seen. We have to have that heart. God loves that heart. But worry, in worry there's fear. In worry there's fear of failure. And in Christ, the perfect love that we have in Jesus Christ drives out that fear. So worrying with fear is unacceptable. It's unwelcome. I'd say it's not possible if we are resetting to Christ, 
we have natural reaction of worry, but being overcome by worry, being overburdened by worry, being consumed with worry is unacceptable and it's not possible if we are resetting to the truths of Jesus Christ, if we are resetting our lives to the gospel, the good news that in Christ, on the cross, before he breathed his last, it is finished. Him telling us, I did it all, so you don't have to. There is no bar that you are achieving. There is no standard you have to now exceed. The standard is Christ, and our job is to believe in what he has already done, resting in his works by faith. So worrying with fear is not something that is from God. It's something that our sin reacts to and indulges in. It's something that is worldly, but it's not holy. We as Christians, as people of God, as children of God, have to be holy and set apart. When we're encountering the world around us, when we're looking at, at the, 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 in, you know, the, the unpredictability, the inconsistencies of the world around us, where the world might worry and be in fear of what might happen, we have to be holy and set apart. And what they have to see in us as light in a dark world is they have to say, that Christian has peace. That Christian is content. And that should lead them to say, how? Why? Where does that come from? How, amidst all of this uncertainty, how, in a world like the world we live in, are you able to have peace? You just lost your job. You just got this new bill. You had to cancel this because now you got to pay this bill that you didn't even know you had. Now this person got sick. You got hurt. You had to experience this setback. This didn't work out. Your plan for your future, you didn't get accepted. You didn't get the job. You didn't get the promotion. You thought this would happen and something else happened. How are you not freaking out right now? How are you not enraged with how someone else let that happen or someone else took what was yours? How is that not your reaction? That needs to be their reaction to us. It should, it, it should look absolutely unbelievable how we can maintain and sustain peace and contentment and joy and courage and strength amidst the, the, the situations that we're facing. That is our testimony. That is us being a witness. And they will look at us and say, how is that possible? That's not possible. You should be freaking out. You should be worrying right now. How are you not worrying? And that brings us to Christ. That brings us to what did Jesus say? If we are pursuing God through Christ, and if we are in Christ, if we are servants and slaves to Jesus Christ, witnesses to his gospel, what does he say? And this is what he says. If you have a Bible, Go ahead and flip to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. If you uh, need to go get your Bible or get the app um, all set, go ahead and pause the podcast and flip to Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34. And then you can restart the podcast um, and we'll go through it and I'll, I'll go ahead and read. And this is in the NIV version, so if you have a different version, um, it's fine. Maybe read your version first so it doesn't get confusing when I'm reading 
Um, but uh, this is NIV Matthew 6, 25 to 34. So this is verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In this passage um, concerning worry, there's, there's a lot of things that Jesus is telling us. One of the reasons why we worry is that we're afraid to lose something. And we're, we're afraid that something will go wrong and they, we won't have a certain thing. So we, we want to prepare, we want to keep, uh, keep planning so that we can maintain ownership or that we can get ownership of something. And when we don't have that thing, when our plans don't work out or when it's uncertain that we're going to obtain that thing we've been striving for, that we might lose the thing that we already have, we get afraid and we worry and we start to panic and think, what else can I do? How else can I scramble to make sure that that thing remains with me or that I can have that thing? And in the first section, you know, even into the second section, 25 through maybe even verses 31, Jesus is reminding us and saying, what is this world if you have me? What is this world if you have my father? You know, there's so many things in this world. But that will fade. Those things will fade. The most precious possession that you can have is me. And Jesus reminds us and says, you are so valued and so highly favored by your father that even these things in this world, he takes care of, he maintains he supplies for the birds of the air, and he makes them beautiful. And we are surrounded by a beautiful creation. There, is, there are obviously ways that we can see that we have, have not stewarded and not been, been lords, masters over this creation that we've been given. And, and there, there are a lot of problems. But when you, when you look at just the creation, just nature, working, at its potential, what we're surrounded by. It is gorgeous. It's beautiful. And God provides for it. Yet, those things that are beautiful were not made in his image. We were made in his image. We are his children. So Jesus is saying, remember who you are with our Father from beginning to end in Scripture. Remember who he's talking to. This is his son. 
he's talking to? This is his daughter. You are his kid. And through the Spirit, we don't call him Father with formality. We call him Abba with intimacy. We can approach him as Papa, as Dad. And he loves us engaging in that relationship that is true and genuine to our creation as being his kids. So Jesus is saying, remember who you are. When you're worrying about these things, remember who you are and remember that God knows what you need. He knows those. In verse 32, it says, for the pagans run after all these things. You know, these the people that are not in Christ, they're, they're constantly scrambling to have stuff, to not lose stuff, to get new stuff, to have other people's stuff. Constantly struggling for control and constantly struggling to provide for themselves, filling their own cup, clothing themselves. Constantly. It's a constant push for more and a constant struggle and a fight to have enough. Because what happens with sin is that it leaves you with a heart that can never be filled with anything other than Christ. So it doesn't matter how hard you're working. It doesn't matter if right now you're making 10000 a year or less. Or if you're making 500000 a year or more. It doesn't matter. As sinners, you will never have enough. You will get to the point that you think, if I get there... I will be content and satisfied. And what will happen when you get there? It's like the next level of, it, of a video game. Now it's level two, and you got to get through that level. You want to get that promotion? Well, that brings with it a new level of responsibility and another boss. And you're going to have to keep going and going and going and going until you die. And when you leave this world, none of that goes with you. That is just the truth about who we are and where we live as sinners in a broken world. So the pagans chase after that. There's a constant fight to have stuff and have control over those things. And what does Jesus say? His father knows that you need them. He knows that you need food. He knows you need clothes. He knows your necessities. And that is a huge point, necessities. Do you need that thing? What do we need to live? We need food and water and community. Really, that broken down, that is what we can live off of. If you have food, and that doesn't mean having a feast, but if you have sustenance, nutrition, something going in, replenishing your body, food, if you have water, if you have those qualities going into your body, you will survive. Now, if you just have that, if you're just alone, that starts to break down emotionally, psychologically. You know, that's why something like solitary confinement is so controversial. We need interaction. We need people. We need something that's giving us something back, something to communicate with, and that's fellowship. So Jesus says, God knows you need those things. He designed you. The designer of an automobile, the designer of a a new piece of technology knows that thing, knows that creation more than anyone in the world. So if God created you, if God created this world we live in, doesn't it stand to reason that he knows exactly what will sustain you and exactly what you need? Remember that word need. So important. 
in a, a consumer culture? Do you need this to survive? It's on a much lighter note, but in the movie Spaceballs, that comes up where there's a princess and they're leaving a spaceship and she has so many belongings. And one of the, one of the other characters tells her, just take what you need to survive. We have to ask ourselves, do I need this thing? Is this third thing of the same thing necessary? Or do I know, just need the one? Is this new TV necessary for my livelihood to live? Do I need it? And God says through Jesus, I know what you need. Why worry about those things? I will provide for you. It's a constant push and pull in our mind with sin of, well, I got to work. I got to get it somehow. And of course, you do have to work. You do, not, you do need to fight that, that spirit of, of being idle and just taking for granted this gift. We are stewards. And like in the parable of the talents, you have to work. Work is, is something that is of God. God is a worker. Therefore, in his image, you do need to work. If you're not working and using your skills, using your mind, using your talents right now, work. Do something. If you are physically able, use your body in some way. Go help someone pull weeds. Get up. Do something. Work. You glorify God and he glorifies you and, and, and your position as a child of God and a core with Christ in your work. Your work is valuable. So we got to work, of course. But that doesn't mean that we have to work and work and work and provide for ourselves. We will work and honor God with the work. And through that, God will give us exactly what we need for our specific situation, whether it's for you, for your family, for your church, for your community. So how do we do that? That's the that's the where we're gonna end. That's where we're gonna end. How do we do that? If we're not called to save, 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 and keep striving and working and preparing and, and creating new hedges, protecting us. What are we called to do? What is Jesus saying you are to do as Christians, as disciples of Him? What is our job? And he makes it very clear in verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We hate simplicity because we love to ask more questions. But it is simple, friends. As Christians, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. If your life is fixated on Jesus Christ and his commands on your life to be a Christian, you have a full load. And if you are pursuing and fixated on how that position as a co-heir with Christ is affecting God's kingdom coming to this earth through his will, and praying that his will be done through us in this world. You have a full plate. And have faith that God will take care of those other things. Have faith that God will guide your endeavor. Have faith that God will control this place that he sets you and puts you for this specific purpose. Yes, we are to steward what we've been given, but we are not to to control the situation for ourselves and protect ourselves through our preparation and hard work. 
That is the opposite of grace. By faith. Seek first his righteousness. Your day should be consumed. And am I following Jesus? When Peter asks about John at the end of the Gospel of John, what does Jesus say? What is it to you? You follow me. That is our command, friends, is to be disciples of Jesus and to be fixated on what does that mean? Am I following him? Am I forgiving those that are persecuting me? Am I loving those that hate me? Am I giving of myself, sacrificing of myself for others? Am I humbling myself for others in the image of Jesus Christ? There is enough work there for the day. You are not built for 25 hours. You are built for 24 hours today. And that day needs to be consumed. And am I following Jesus? It's that simple. In the same way that I talked about earlier, that if you go into the scripture and you find one verse seeking the wisdom of God and seeking him to speak to you and to answer the questions of your heart, that will expand into the next chapter, the next book, and before you know it, it's comprehensive and it's the entire scriptures. It illuminates. It doesn't filter down into one specific thing, unless that's Christ, but understanding his will and his character expands, multiplies. So have faith that all you ought to do, all you are commanded to do, In Christ, it's right here. This is what he's telling you. And even later, in other gospels and and, and in this gospel, Jesus is asked, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And what does he say? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And everything else is united and grounded in those commands, is what he said. You are not to worry about maintaining and controlling this world. You cannot do that. It will break you. You will suffer because you are outside of Christ's authority. Christ says, come and follow me. So it doesn't matter what you're doing right now. If you are the CEO of a company, if you're just a a, a day laborer, if you're raising kids, if you're a student, of course, you can look down the road and see all these things that need to get fixed and need to get done and need to get taken care of. But have faith that our Father in heaven knows exactly what those things are. So first, remember that God knows those things. Second, allow him to filter it down into what is necessary and what is unnecessary. You might look down the road and see 30 different things that need to get taken care of. Submit that word need to God right now and say in Jesus' name, For his sake, as a disciple of him, what do I need? What is necessary for me right now? Or am I taking control of the situation and taking these things away from something else? Maybe work that someone else should be doing. Delegating, having someone else do that work. Do you really need to be doing all these things on your own? Like Moses was trying to do until he was commanded to delegate and to give work to other people. Are you overwhelmed and worried because you're taking this under your own arms and your own authority? That's not yours. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. 
He takes the burden. He takes that. You are not to worry about that. Your main concern right now is, do I know Jesus? And if not, go into the scriptures. Ask questions like a kid. Ask all the questions you've got. And once you find him, how do I follow him? And it doesn't matter what line of work you are in, what you are facing right now. If those are your concerns, do I know Jesus intimately? Can I talk about him openly and confidently as a witness testifies in a courtroom to the people around me, to the world around me? Do I know him like that? And if so, are you following him? And there is enough work there. Like Jesus says, you cannot have the amount of mental or physical fortitude to think about tomorrow if you're truly comprehending the deeds of today. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love Jesus, and to love your neighbor through that spirit of Christ in you. I know it might sound like a pad answer. You know, just follow God, just love God, just follow Jesus. But friends, that is it. And if we are ever tempted away from that, we are being tempted in the direction of taking control and authority out of the hands of our Savior and being our own personal Savior. Then it's not about grace. Then it's not about faith. It's about your works and your righteousness and your authority. And that is not the gospel of Jesus. And following that line follows the same line to death without God. Dying in your sins because you're still consumed by the lie of Satan from the garden that you can be like God if you just grabbed it. Rebuke that lie in Jesus' name. That is not the gospel And that is not the gospel that will give you peace and strength and contentment amidst these unpredictable times where people will look at you and say, now that is light. Everywhere else is dark and that is light. Following that line that is just self-righteousness and works and personal control and authority does not give you those fruits and will not allow you to share the gospel and be a witness to the gospel. But seek first his righteousness. Consume yourself with knowing Jesus. Consume yourself with following him. And in turn, do your work well. Work well. If you have a specific assignment, a specific project or job, do it well. Wash dishes well. In our shower, we have this squeegee that we've got to squeegee the walls so the water doesn't just stay there and get moldy we got to wipe that down every time and it's a hassle i hate doing it sound like such a baby i don't want to wipe the walls but my reaction after i take a shower is i wish i didn't have to do that i have to do that well (laughs) everything you do do it well doesn't mean be perfect doesn't mean be the best do do your best honor god with what you've been given Yesterday, I was shooting baskets with some friends. Shoot baskets well. I'm not going to go to the NBA. I'm not a professional. But do it well. Honor him. You have the the, the ability to stand and run and jump with arms and, and, and legs that work. Such a gift that many people don't have. Honor him with that. 
Don't be spoiled. Know that you've been given amazing gifts and abilities. Work. Do that work well. But don't take control and authority out of Christ's hands and be your own savior. Follow Christ. Seek first his righteousness and his kingdom. And what happens? All all these things will be given to you as well. You will be provided for. Your family will be provided for. This is not cheap grace. This is not just slacking and just saying God will take care of it. You're working, but you're not there to worry about it. You're not there to be consumed by worry and fear about what could happen or what might happen if you do this. Just focus on today. Take it a day at a time from the mouth of Christ. Today has enough worry, has enough trouble. You're not made to consume today with worry and to then worry about tomorrow. You're to look at today in the face and say, God, there is a lot today. Help me to know your son Jesus throughout and help me to follow you throughout. Help me to be an ambassador of your son Jesus Christ and to in turn be provided for as a child. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for showing us the scripture and addressing this real issue of worry that plagues a lot of us. It's so easy with sin to strive to attain certain things on our own power and our own intellect and might and ability. It's so easy to be tempted away from you as our Father. It's so easy to be tempted away from your Son as our Savior. And to be our own God and and, and authority and to be our own Savior, it's so easy. But Lord, in Jesus' name, as we proclaim his name as our identity as Christians, help us, Lord, to come to you as children in need, but also children that are known and that those needs of ours are known. And help us, Lord, to approach you through Christ as our Savior, who has accomplished all things so that in him we can just follow listen, obey, and in turn receive rest and peace and strength. And through that, help us to be light to the world around us so that people can see that there is fruit and there is light and they are holy and set apart and that there is something good there and that that can lead us to share the good news of Jesus in the gospel. And in his name I pray, amen. Well, friends, I'm... I'm apologizing again. I, I really hope this doesn't become a, a thing every week, but we went long. Uh, it's longer than last week. Uh, totally uh, uh, the, the opposite outcome that I was hoping for. Um, so I'm going to do better. Um, if you hung on for the whole time, I hope it blessed you. I hope that it, 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 it you know was relevant to certain things that you're going through. I hope that it, it challenged you, um, that it encouraged you. Um, but again, thank you for hanging on for the whole time. Um, and I'll, I'll do better to keep it shorter um, in the future. So, so thank you for listening. Uh, again, we're going to be posting podcasts every Wednesday and Friday. Uh, so, so keep tuning in and, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully be interacting more, uh, as, as we hear from you, uh, questions and scriptures that you would like us to talk about on the podcast. So feel free to, to send in your emails at mobilewordministry at gmail.com. Um, but just thank you again for your support and thank you for listening. Uh, So thank you for tuning in, and uh, just remember to send me your thoughts, questions, comments, or scriptures uh, to mobilewordministry at gmail.com. And until next time, enjoy the word, and God bless.